You're listening to The Magic of Childhood, early learning discussions on Little Rockers Radio. Today we're looking at cultural diversity in early childhood education and to find out more we are talking to Dr Red Ruby Scarlett. Dr Red Ruby Scarlett is an activist, an early childhood teacher, researcher, consultant, artist and academic. She has been working in early childhood for over 25 years and is devoted to creative, imaginative, inclusive practices that promote dignity and integrity in early childhood. Red has developed curriculum and learning frameworks nationally and internationally, and she's won numerous awards for her teaching and advocacy. Every single podcast that I've been doing um, for this Australian Child Care Alliance series has had massively long introductions and that one was no different. Hi, Dr. Red Ruby, how are you? I feel like I need a little nap after that. (laughs) I know. Now we're starting with a really broad question, but what does cultural diversity in early childhood education actually mean? Well, I guess if we just take the words cultural diversity for a moment, I think that it's probably a phrase that I guess it's relatively common in the, you know, social vernacular that people know what cultural diversity is. But I think that the a broad understanding of cultural diversity, sometimes I think people will just focus on things like ethnicity and language. So, you know, different places people are born, um, how they practice those cultures, whether they're still in those places or whether they've migrated to other places. I think most of the focus or most of the understanding of cultural diversity is that would be the the most common understanding. But I guess cultural diversity essentially is much broader than that. It includes things like gender. So gender isn't separate from culture. Gender is a culture. Sexuality is a culture. Language is a culture. Race is part of culture Um, you know living in a regional area is cultural Um, you know there's nuances that happen within all of these diverse groups that are cultural so cultural diversity I guess it's all of those parts of identity and it's all of those um, relationships with place so how identity plays out in place is what broadly what we mean by cultural diversity in early childhood Mm, it's much broader. And I love how you've put it in terms of um, part of identity. So for educators that are listening, and I don't know that promoting cultural diversity is the right way to put it, as I, I assume, or I guess it should just be integral to what we do. But how can educators promote cultural diversity in early learning? Mm. Well, once again, I think the phrase promoting cultural diversity would be familiar to people. And so whilst it may not be you know, that's one part of what you do. It probably is a nice, gentle way into working with cultural diversity within your setting and within your curriculum and within your relationship. So it's one of those things that's across everything. It's not like a a dot point that you add on. You know, some of the ways that people promote cultural diversity are by the way that they set up environments, the artefacts that they have on display, the particular kinds of resources that they use and choose. Um, families may bring particular things in that reflect particular parts of their family or their culture more broadly. So there's that, that kind of visibility um, 
is one way in which cultural diversity is promoted. And um, Auntie Dr Sue Atkinson, who's a Yorta Yorta woman, did her PhD um, looking at Aboriginal self-determination in Victoria. She has a wonderful way of communicating the power of what having those artefacts in place. She speaks specifically about the Aboriginal flag, but uh, it can seem tokenistic on one level, but in fact it's a sign or a signal to people who, who are there to say you belong here because this is representing you or somebody in the local community, a family, for example, might see the flag and think, hey, these fellas are saying I belong here. So um, using her, leaning on her idea of signs and signals, I think that that, that one way of practising cultural diversity or promoting cultural diversity is about the physical environment and the things that are in it, that they're carefully chosen, that they're ethical, that they're authentic, etc. Um, and that's, that's a process in itself, isn't it? It's got reflective practice attached to it. It's, you know, got all that thinking involved in it. And you mentioned families there, which is in- integral to cultural diversity. Yeah, yeah. look, I, I think the relationships with families is integral. The relationships is in- integral to early childhood. So, um, you know, relationships with families, being able to... Be- allowing families to choose the way in which they would like to be represented in the physical space, if at all. Sometimes they like to, sometimes they don't. And respecting the ways in which families do or don't like to do those things, I think is part of part of our work. But it's more than just the... It's about the relationships and how we work cross-culturally because essentially in Australia as a multicultural nation, um, and that includes the, you know, hundreds of Aboriginal cultures that were here thousands and thousands of years before the rest mm-hmm. of us, our ancestors migrated here, um, is that that multi... That, that diversity is something that's built within relationships and we're navigating that all of the time. But it's also about curriculum content. So cultural diversity seems to be one of those sort of, um, you know, soft areas of, of, how, of how people engage with it in their practice. But in fact, you know, how is cultural diversity being engaged or thought about when you're planning maths, literacy? Mm numeracy, uh, science and technology. How are we thinking about cultural diversity in terms of gender, language, class, race, sexuality, age? You know, that's another... Children are a cultural group, like old people are a cultural group. Um, You know, how are those parts of cultural diversity being considered in all of those planning processes? So I think that there's quite... There's, there's, it's quite exciting because there's a big horizon of the place that cultural diversity can play in early childhood. So I guess the first step is about thinking about how are we promoting and how do we recognise we're promoting and what's our process of promoting so that it's ethical. But then there's that next step of saying, well, how are we actually engaging in the relationships, not just with families, but also, you know, who represents Australia, etc. And how are we leaning into those cultures or learning about those cultures in order to plan really good, really interesting, um, inclusive and sophisticated curriculum for very young children. Are you able to give us some examples of centres you're involved in who have incorporated this really well? Hmm. Well, I, um, I'm lucky enough to teach uh, one day a week at beautiful Clavelli Children's Centre, which is um, a beautiful eastern suburb seaside community in Sydney on Bidigal Gadigal country and the director Debbie Zerbst 
who's been there for a couple of years now, she's um, she's such a great leader because she enables her staff, myself included, to explore the ways in which we want to generate curriculum starting with things like cultural diversity. So the early years learning framework is all about respect for diversity. It's all about equity. It's all about inclusion. That's what the five principles are on pages 12 and 13. And so thinking about how you take those principles and put them into practice um, is something that we do very well at Clavelli. And it's not that we do it well because we get it right. We do it well because we talk about it, we debate the issues, we raise different perspectives, we discuss what happens when we have different perspectives about culture or how we understand culture. So, you know, there's a couple of layers um, that I can explain to you. So we're, we're working closely with local Indigenous communities, um, families who are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander who come to the centre and looking at how we create not just a, a tokenistic acknowledgement of country, but, you know, how are we looking at Aboriginal perspectives in everyday practice, recognising that everything is happening on country all the time. So we're looking, you know, what's the Aboriginal perspective in how we do morning tea? What's the Aboriginal perspective in how we set up a space? What's the Aboriginal perspective in how we choose resources? You know, what are the ethics and the politics and the philosophies that shape what we do and what we don't do? And one of those examples, which also connects to place really beautifully, is because we go to the beach a lot, we run a beach kinder, the children know the things that you can take from the beach, like sea glass. There's a lot of sea glass around our physical environment and everybody who lives in that coastal area knows about sea glass and has a connection with it and a relationship with it. Um, you know, children play with it in their play. Artists make jewellery out of it. There's this lovely knock-on effect of what sea glass becomes for people. But we also know that we don't pick shells up because they've got to be part of the ecosystem. And by doing that, it not only is it a sustainable practice, but it's also respecting historically for you know, tens of thousands of years, what would have happened on country. So mm-hmm. bringing together that cultural diversity, those of us who aren't Aboriginal, which is most of the people at the centre, we, uh, we pay acute attention to that all the layers of what it means to go to the beach, what to leave, what to pick up, and how that's supporting and helping the, the environment, but also a respectful and ethical way to engage with country. And also, too, that, you know, if you think about the resources that children have, there's, there, there's a hell of a lot of stuff that we make for children. There's toys, there's resources, there's all this stuff. And sometimes you don't really need all of that. Sometimes by collecting the sea glass so that it's cleaning the environment, that's actually one of the best, most creative, open-ended resources that you can have for them. There's science in it. Where does it come from? There's maths in it. There's size. There's transformation. There's arts practice. Like all of the curriculum areas... Um, are right there with those pieces of sea glass in your hand because you can invent curriculum from that cultural experience. Does mm. that make sense? Yes, it does. And I was having another conversation in regards to the early years learning framework this morning uh, for another interview. And we can tend to overthink things when it doesn't have to be that difficult, does it? So there's simple practices that address all the uh, learning areas that are far more relevant that can be implemented into each day. And are far more culturally relevant and culturally specific. So that's mm. culturally specific to Clavelli, you know, and the, the colonial practices of, you know, why we've got sea glass and how it washes up and the damage that it does, but at the same time all the things that we make sure we leave there. 
and that that story gets told through children, through families, etc., etc. You know, all of those stories get told, and so it's shared right through the community. If we buy something from a catalogue, what's the cultural specificity of that relationship of that resource to where we are? Mm. So I think that very deep, that very meaningful stuff. And when you know, when you know the EYLF inside out, you know, I was lucky to be one of the architects of, of that document, so I know it well, and I know it's how it was written and the, the ideas that informed it and cultural diversity was absolutely top of the list for that. Um, so, you know, knowing that and looking at the nuances of how we build relationship with the place to understand culture um, is critical to that cultural diversity. It's also, it's not just about Indigenous, non-Indigenous relations, though we try to have that as um, first and foremost in everything we do, but it is mm-hmm. also about looking at how gender plays out looking at how language plays out. You know, there's a million words for water or sea because children speak a range of different languages. There's, you know, so to build on just that experience of going to a place and learning to be with a place and how your identity forms by being in that place, it comes through language. It comes through Sundays is about picnics at the beach. It comes through self-care by sun protection. So all of those things that we might, tick off in on a box somewhere are actually built into this gorgeous cultural diversity that we practice by how we interact with a place through our relationship. Hmm. So can I ask you, especially because you were involved in the development of the early years learning framework, I want to ask you about the history of promoting cultural diversity in early childhood education. How far have we come and how far do we have to go? (laughs) <laughs> That's a fun question because there are days when I look at, you know, I visit centres all over the country, all over the world, in fact. Um, I talk with educators and teachers from all over the world. Um, some days I arrive at things and just go, wow, this is incredible. Isn't it great to see so much achievement? Then there are other days where I think, wow, we've just got so far to come. There are some areas of cultural diversity that are more palatable than others. So... You, you know, there's been top six in home corner ever since time began. <laughs> there's been, you know, drums and multicultural scarves and that kind of stuff is, it's palatable, it's easy, it's not going to cause too much of a ruckus um, when those, those physical things are in place because they're, they're part of, you know, how we understand ethnic diversity or linguistic diversity, you know, having hello in lots of languages, that stuff is kind of easy and um, and it's not going to be threatening to anybody walking through the door. But mm. when we start, you know, even, even you know, um, I was thinking about 20 years ago when I was doing my PhD and the people I worked with there, it wasn't palatable to do acknowledgements of country back then and we started doing that work guided by Arnie Tracy Lynn Bostock, who's a Bunjalung Mulanjali woman who was one of the teachers there. And, you know, it wasn't palatable, but we still tried to find ways to do that work that now people are like, yes, we love it. So it's taken 20 years for it to become something that everybody wants to do and feel connected with and recognise as really important. So, yeah, it's kind of like that. Nick, also looking at gender equity, partly I think there's been great strides for gender equity between the feminine and the masculine. Mm. Um, We've got a lot of children increasingly coming out as genders that aren't boy or girl. Mm. And some educators embrace that and go, okay, where do I learn to understand this? Other educators go, wow, I don't believe in that. Um, My culture doesn't connect with that. 
it, it, it's wrong or what do I do? So there's all these complexities arising as society is sort of expanding, I guess. But And so, you know, I guess the idea of cultural diversity isn't something that you can achieve, but rather it's a process that you engage with and commit to together, knowing that there's going to be those tricky bits. And, you know, part of it, you look at Facebook, you look at the discussions that go on, I, I guess part of the 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 way that we've got to try to promote the thinking about cultural diversity and how we do that work is by being as supportive as we can with each other, especially when it's hard. And that's one of the things I love about working with Debbie Zerbst, who's the director at Clavelli, is everything's always up for discussion. The big ideas are always there. We'll debate an issue. You know, her and I disagree on so many things and we have these marvellous debates about how we got to that thinking or why we got to that thinking and can we have two different practices going on in a classroom at the same time? And most of the time the answer is yes, because mm. we understand why we're doing what we're doing and we recognise that children are really good at learning different points of view. And that's what the EYLF is all about. Page, you know, as I said, pages 12 and 13, they're those beautiful, five beautiful principles there. All the language in there is equity, diversity, inclusion, partnerships, reciprocity, and all of that is what cultural diversity encompasses, essentially. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of the who we are, the where we are, who and what else is here with us, how are we recognising that, what happens when we encounter ideas that we're unsure about or that make us feel unsafe or a bit different or they're different to who we are or what we've learned or what somebody's told us, Um and how we begin to see all of that cultural diversity relevant to our curriculum. It really is a learning continuum, isn't it? So we can look at, we can look and think how far we've come over the past 20 years with things being more palatable, as you say, yet the world changes fast and who knows where we'll be in 20 years. So it really is a continuum. Now, you were part of the Beautiful Acknowledgement of Country episode on Play School recently. Can you tell us about this and how and how early childhood educators can learn from it? It was, um, yeah, so I feel incredibly grateful and humbled and um, privileged to have been part of that process. Um, and just to congratulate the ABC on committing to a, a, an entire episode about Acknowledgement of Country, and so I worked very closely with um, Jessica Staines uh, on that episode and, you know, that, that being in a position that we worked, I think it was about 10 months all up, uh, wow. consulting, negotiating, looking at language, um, giving ideas to scripts, taking the ideas, twinkling them, coming back, advising about, you know, which other artists could be involved, which other early childhood childhood people have done this work previously how that could be built into the episode um, and many of those people were people that Jesse had been working with over the past couple of years as I said only Tracy Lynn Bostock the the, acknowledge, the actual acknowledgement that's in play school is literally word for word her acknowledgement that was invented nearly 20 years ago so it's pretty yeah. exciting that that you know happened under this tree in a you know little working class suburb in the inner west and now it's a national acknowledgement of country so I think the the beauty of being able to between Jesse and I to pull together those all those people and those ideas and to see how cleverly the um the team from the ABC were in you know going through protocol and going through process not that it didn't come without its you know Lego bits under its under our feet from time to time but to go through that process of creating something that is open and inclusive and 
enabling for people. Mm. To have the three Aboriginal presenters was just amazing. Um, we were there for the filming processes. So we were there from where to go, basically. And I think that to, yeah, for the ABC to, to dedicate that episode was pretty brilliant. The other conversation that we'd had sort of in between, but particularly after, is to have it in one episode is great. What would happen if there was an everyday acknowledgement? And yeah. as a result, they're taking that little clip, Annie Tracy, Lynn Bostock's acknowledgement, and that will be played every single morning on ABC Kids TV. So they start the day with an acknowledgement every day, which is divine. So it's such a lovely... And, you know, thinking back, I've been in this business for nearly 30 years now, and as I say, you know, you think back to the work. What was I taught when I was an untrained assistant? What was I taught when I was in TAFE, when I had my first job? Um, you know, where was the Aboriginal education then? And look how amazingly it's transformed over the years. We've still got a lot to do, but, um, yeah, to see that transformation, to see public recognition, our, you know, our public broadcaster to take that on is, is pretty, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, you know, when I look back at my primary and secondary education, there was really no focus on it at all compared to today, which is, as you say, just beautiful, but still a long way to go. Mm, yeah, that's right. And I think that's why, you know, the, there's lots of great resources out there. Um, you know, Jesse and I collaborate through the Aboriginal Early Childhood Collective. We have a conference every year. We, we produce resources, you know, and I come in with a non-Indigenous perspective, but I've got a solid background in early childhood. Um, you know, Jesse brings the Aboriginal perspective as a Wiradjuri woman. And so it's just a really nice combo. What do you do with this stuff? How do you put it into practice? Which is partly why I stay teaching so that I'm fresh with the ideas and I'm wrestling through it in the same way that anybody else that's working with children is doing. You know, that being able to be walking the country gently and finding ways to have that work twinkled through um, yeah, it's certainly an exciting part of what we do. For educators listening who are wanting to learn more and access some great resources for their centres, where can they go to find out more? So if you, there are a couple of ways. You can, my organisation is called Multiverse, M-U-L-T-I-V-E-R-S-E. So you can go to my website, multiverse.com.au, or you can go to my Facebook page, which is Multiverse. And there's a very gorgeous little picture. It looks like a, half, a cross between a love heart and a cat. <laughs> and on that, on that Facebook page, I do a Facebook Live once a month, which is a public broadcast for everybody. Um, people get on and I interview people or I talk myself. There's I share stories of my teaching directly so you can actually see how I'm writing about things like cultural diversity in practice, like connecting and embedding Aboriginal perspectives in my everyday practice. Um, I share, you know, little ideas, big ideas, references, resources, all of that sort of stuff. And that Facebook page is probably the best way to contact me or, or by email. Okay, and I'll pop all of those links on the podcast webpage as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Sarah, it's been a pleasure and thank you so much for inviting me on. And I look forward to meeting you at the Australian Child Care Alliance Conference. Are you doing a live show? So here's the other bit of culture. You know, the art, art practice is also cultural. And um, my gorgeous colleague, Louise Dorrit, and I, we both have, um, we're both qualified early childhood people, but we also both have a background in musical theatre. Oh. So we, we've written a musical to, from scratch. It's an original musical um, called The National Quality Framework, the musical. And we're 
we're really thrilled about performing that, partly because it, it's a hoot and it's fun, a, a joyous way to, you know, think about the national quality framework, not as a dry thing. But it's also, we're trying to get people to take, how do you take arts practice seriously? Yes. That sing, singing and dancing isn't just crazy business. It's actually a way to express feelings. It's a way to express knowledge. It's a way to express the culture of early childhood education. And so... Um, we do that through this musical and then afterwards we have some reflection time. You know, when you've heard us sing this song, how does it make you feel? When you've listened to that part of the script, what did it make you think? So it's actually an opportunity for some really nice reflective practice on cultural diversity um, through... Yeah, through musical theatre. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, I'll be there, so I'm looking forward to getting involved. Wonderful, Sarah. That was Dr Red Ruby Scarlett talking about cultural diversity in early childhood education. The Magic of Childhood, Early Learning Discussions on Little Rockers Radio was proudly brought to you by the Australian Child Care Alliance and Little Rockers Radio. Little Rockers Radio is an online radio station for children from birth to six. We play 24-7 songs, nursery rhymes, story time, yoga, meditation and more during the day and lullabies right through the night. We're a social enterprise with 70% of all station partner profits going to our charity partners. Press play and help make a difference. Our vision, every child safe, healthy and happy. Join the tribe today and visit us at littlerockersradio.com.au.